Welcome to In Conversation with Lyndon Terracini, the podcast where we meet the extraordinary talents, both on stage and off, working at Opera Australia. These conversations were all originally filmed for our streaming service, OATV. You can find more online at tv.opera.org.au, as well as full productions and behind-the-scenes footage. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to OATV and my very special guest today, John Raymond. John, welcome to OATV. Good morning, Lyndon. It's great to see you. Very good to be here. So, you know, you're the lighting guru, the lighting designer par excellence. You've done everything from the opening and closing ceremonies of the Olympics, Commonwealth Games, small theatre shows, dance shows, but uh, and a lot for Opera Australia, including The Ring. Um, but you started off uh, in your early training at Flinders University, I think, in South Australia as an actor. I did. I took that familiar path for lighting design of training as an actor. <laughs> uh, and then uh, along the way, uh, I discovered that acting had lots of gaps in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've, since I was as long, young as I can remember, uh, my mother taking me to a pantomime at the original Theatre Royal in Sydney, mm -hmm. uh, and I just was utterly sucked into this world that was created mm. just over there on the other side of the fourth wall. So the gaps in the acting uh, rather led me to say, well, what else? I don't want to be, you know, driving a taxi or doing mm. those things. Mm. So I was always on the lookout for other work and various things on a, on a trip uh, to Europe. And I ended up, for my sins, uh, as a stage manager for a small touring dance company. Mm -hmm. And on the first day of the tour, uh, they asked, or probably advised me that I was also going to do the touring lighting. So, uh, <laughs> no one was more surprised than me. Uh, so had you I done anything with lights before then? Not re I'd watched. Yeah, I'd yeah. observed on the tours that I'd been on as an actor. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but I've always been fascinated by the transformation of the space, mm. uh, by the illusion, uh, willing, people's willingness to suspend disbelief, as, yeah. uh, as the phrase goes, uh, and how that was achieved. Mm. Uh, and I, I'm a great believer, as I would be, uh, that the, the training and the perspective I br bring to it from a performer mm -hmm. and from the stagecraft there feeds back into the technical delivery of the illusion. Mm -hmm. So that I always approach design uh, from the performance point of view uh, rather than the space itself. Uh, that's incidental and, and a part of solving the issues. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's, uh, So yeah, I discovered I had an eye for it. It was an outlet for that, that creative urge mm -hmm. that I had. And, uh, turned out to be good at it, mm. in the opinion of enough others <laughs> that I'm still waiting to get back to acting. <laughs> so um, I'll ask you about the big events in a minute, but uh, could you talk us through the process of working with a director, for example, and um, how you come to a lighting design that's specific to that particular play or opera or, or whatever it, you're doing? Um, it, it varies depending on the, the art form and the mm. discipline that you're, you're dealing with. Uh, that in itself will uh, early on decide how overt or uh, subliminal, if you will, the lighting will be. Mm -hmm. uh, lighting doesn't necessarily have to be making a grand statement, uh, but I always think it's a missed opportunity if you haven't at least considered the contribution that lighting can make to the visual delivery mm -hmm. of a piece. Uh, so uh, Im importantly that the director and I have a rapport. Mm. Um, I early on try to find out their visual uh, sophistication, if that's the word. Mm -hmm. uh, some directors you work with aren't really particularly visual or 
conceptual. Mm -hmm. um, so that you have to sort of uh, either provide quite graphic illustrations of what you might want to do mm -hmm. uh, at certain points. Uh, otherwise, uh, some will be very, very fastidious and they try to describe in, in quite detailed uh, paragraphs what they see as being the lighting. Mm. Um, that can be equally, uh, not problematic, but a, a point of, of, of issue in the sense that I'm, I'm looking for my director to describe for me the flavour they want mm. uh, and then I will set about in, in my discipline in delivering it. Mm. Uh, rather than them saying, I need a light from there to yeah. there doing this. Mm. Uh, because when you take isolated instances of lighting, you're forgetting that lighting being a performed design uh, has to have a, a, an arc. Mm. Uh, so that light there, we have to know how we got to that mm. point of that light being there kind of deal and moving on. Uh, contemporary dance obviously brings with it a much greater emphasis on, on lighting mm -hmm. uh, being largely and often the only design visual apart from costuming. Mm. Um, but music I is the, the core. Mm. Uh, lighting is a choreographed design and uh, so it responds musically. Mm. Interestingly on uh, Bluebeard's Castle, yep. uh, soon to grace the stages, mm -hmm. uh, I've gone through the entire score and what a spectacular score. Oh, yeah, uh, it's wonderful. Just spectacular. Yeah. There's one uh, spectacular, uh, scene five, uh, and I note whether I've got vocals or instrumental to underpin mm. uh, my thinking on the design, but, uh, but my notes when I first went through the score, scene five, uh, my, my note, early notes were, it's a David Lean movie. <laughs> <laughs> and you think, well, how am I going to respond to that? What do you yeah. do to fill that? Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but it's the music that is my core response. Mm. Uh, it, de it, it determines my rhythms, uh, those moments. And I, what I do is uh, get from a director their general sense, mm -hmm. uh, their philosophical sense of what, the, what they feel the visual picture is going to be and how that works. Mm. And I want them to talk emotionally um, I talk more colour with costumers. Mm -hmm. you know, costume designers uh, create character. Mm -hmm. uh, set designers uh, create place and mood and those things. Um, and, and they all have commentary, therefore, on the, on the source material. Um, I'm a peculiar fish in that. Uh, in one sense, and uh, for a great many people, I'm just the guy who comes in at the end and tries to tie up the package mm -hmm. and make it mm -hmm. uh, look, uh, look lovely. Um, I think that's often a missed opportunity, mm. uh, particularly when you get to a, an end of, of a body of work that there's a lot more I can offer. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, with this Bluebeard's Castle, for example, you've been involved from, well, vir virtually the beginning. Yeah, months ago. Yeah, which is, and seeing the, the models um, before it gets to the theatre are, are fascinating. Yes, it, and that, in that instance, I've been doing renders in the visualiser mm. for Andy. Uh, Andy Morton, the director, to uh, determine not just if we like the mood that I'm proposing or the shape mm. that I'm proposing there, but also to determine if I send him a barrage of illustrations. And again, I'm always saying these are in no particular order and no particular place. Mm -hmm. I'm just playing in the, in the, in the space itself. Uh, I'm looking for him to also give me feedback on what jars for him. I'm, I'm an absolute believer in the hierarchy of theatre. 
so however much I might be very wedded to a particular image or a particular mm. uh, lighting change or a sequence or whatever, if the director doesn't like it, um, I, it, it behooves me to play, make my case. Mm. But if, if they ultimately decide that it's not, they don't think it's appropriate or they don't like it or mm. for whatever reason, mm. you know, the lack of taste, um, <laughs> uh, then you, know, you let it go. Uh, I, I, I'm not there, I don't, I'm not a subscriber to the co-op. Mm. Um, there has to be someone in yeah. charge. Yeah. And but what about something like, you know, for example, uh, we did Tarangalila at the, the Queensland Music Festival. Yes, we did. Um, wonderful piece with yeah. um, all of those overtones of synesthesia and so on. So can you talk a little about how you responded to that? Look, you, you researched the composer. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, synesthesia. Um, it, it struck me that it had been performed in uh, cathedrals mm. um, and much mention was made of stained glass and the way that... Mm the light played. Uh, it, it's an interesting, uh, and you very kindly asked me to assist you on another project to do with specifically with synesthesia. Mm. Uh, and when you go into that, part of what I do is, I suppose arrogantly, I interpret sound in mm. colour. Yeah. Um, and then it's up to others to find out whether that's appropriate. Now, mm. you know, I'm, I'm sure that the true synesthetic won't necessarily see sound and music in the same colours that I do, mm. but uh, there is a, a tone that, that lends itself. And in that piece, uh, I, I thought, because the concert hall in Queensland, Cupac mm. uh, there has that beautiful, beautiful moulded ceiling mm. uh, full of triangular acoustic shapes. And I thought using those as individual facets of a, of a large abstract stained glass window uh, it had the, the twofold purpose of me being able to play with colour above the orchestra mm. uh, without actually intruding on the orchestra. Orchestras, as we know, are very, very happy to have coloured light all over their, <laughs> you know, and shadow all over their score and, and things. So yeah. it gave me that opportunity. Uh, but it also helped to transform the space itself. Mm. Uh, I'm always looking in those sorts of applications for an opportunity for the audience, not necessarily to say, oh, how clever, mm. but simply to have the sense that the space is being treated differently. It feels differently to the last time they yeah. might have seen a concert. And yeah. so often uh, you, you will go into a space and it's, uh, uh, if it's not a proscenium theatre, it's more traditionally used for just concert work. Uh, it'll have an apparent sameness to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm always delighted when there's an opportunity to just give it a sense that it, you're not quite in the same place. Mm. Uh, mm. Okay. What, what about these massive events that you've done well? And I mentioned earlier the opening and closing ceremonies of the Olympic Games. Well, you can't get any bigger than that. Or perhaps no, you know, no, that, that walking with dinosaurs well, is pretty big too. That but was a peak though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but how, where, where do you start with something like that? Oh, terrified. <laughs> um, <laughs> first, question, first thing you say when they ask you to do it is yes, of course. <laughs> and then about five seconds later, God, what have I done? Yes. Uh, um, I had to talk myself down from the scale of it, mm. uh, have a conversation along the lines that they have hired me for a specific reason, mm. uh, and then you look at yourself and you say, well, that's because I have a, a, theat a theatrical background, mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's clearly something that has appealed. If that's what they're looking for, then I have to look at this space as a giant theatre. Mm. Uh, and interestingly, just talking a moment ago about how you, you can transform the uh, concert hall to make it just feel different mm. to when, 
uh, so for the for one big night, that giant stadium was a theatre, mm. not a sports stadium. And mm -hmm. then how do you set about working on that? And mm. if you, and then it's like all huge projects, uh, it's uh, one step at a time. And uh, how how many lighting desks did you have? Oh, we, we, this this predates the, obviously a lot of advances in technology. Yeah. Uh, by today's standards, the lighting rig was not huge, nor the control channels, but it was not possible to do it on one console. We had seven mm. consoles, yeah. plus an, an further, a, a further an eighth console just to do the audience lighting. Mm -hmm. And each of those seven consoles had a spare, a physically spare one underneath it in the shelf, mm. so that if one of them went down, you physically could unplug and plug yeah. into the other one. Uh, and you had operators on Seven on operators, those. seven programmers. Uh, the visualize, it, Great mental exercise because I'm each sure. uh, there are a thing of that scale has a lot more technical uh, considerations to it. Just mm. simply, you know, I, I, it's interesting if you're doing that or a Commonwealth Games or uh, a Deaf Olympics mm. in Taipei, uh, depending on their budgets. But often in the smaller outings, uh, basically anything less than an Olympics or a World Cup. Uh, they they argue, well, look, we don't have those sorts of budgets, so mm. you know, you have to do it with less. The point is a 400 metre track is a 400 metre track mm. is a 400. The, the ground is, uh, is five acres, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and I have to light it all. I have to light yeah. it to a television standard. Mm. Uh, so uh, trying to do things within the constraints. There are just so many aspects that are nothing to do with the, the pictures. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's the, the, the swamp you have to wade through. Mm. Uh, I enjoy the intellectual challenge. Mm. Um, Having done a couple of those things not in my native language, mm. um, that's just doubling down on how ridiculously well, hard it can be. But it's tiring. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, it's managing stress. Uh, yeah, but thrilling too, I'm sure. When oh, it, you know, when absolutely. It I mean, it, it, I've been I've been in a very fortunate position, and I would suggest you have been too. That we we've largely been paid our whole life to do mm. something we love doing. Absolutely. You know, yeah. The, I mean, the trick in life is to get the world to pay you to be you. you know, <laughs> yes. and, and here we sit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, which leads me to the next question too, and that is, you've lit a number of cities, which seems an extraordinary thing, but yeah. uh, you have. Oh, yeah. So true, yeah. Um, how do you do that? How do you light a city? Oh, um, <laughs> Again, it's the context of the world in which you're operating. Mm. Uh, the Hong Kong Symphony of Lights mm. uh, came it's about... Stunning, absolutely it's, stunning. Uh, not anymore, I'm sad, sad to say. Yeah, I'm but sure. It's, um, it's, uh, you, start, you bring it down to basics. The, mm. the core challenges and things that I'm looking to do don't change on any project. Mm. Uh, often it's the scale, it's the context, it's, it, it's mm. all those things. But the same core skill sets apply. Now because I've done big projects, I have a very well honed uh, skill at managing uh, stress, managing teams, managing uh, clients, mm. people, you know, people who want to have an opinion, who yeah, yeah, shouldn't, yeah. you know, all of those things and you work with all that noise. Uh, mm. Um, you come down to the raw thing. So uh, that particular event, the, the Symphony of Lights in Hong Kong, came about, um, I, I was, helped author an audit uh, on the state of the lighting on Victoria Harbour, commissioned mm. by the um, Tourism Commission. And in that, being me, I decided not just to say why, in my view, it looked messy and horrid, mm. um, 
largely because at, at that stage there were very few regulations about light and, and how it was applied in, in the cityscape and in the public arena. Mm. Um, so it's just become a mess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so then I suggested, well, look, something simple you could do would be stagger turning on the lighting, such as it was of any of the buildings, mm. uh, over a 15 seconds apart. Mm. And I said, and if I gave you an order, I could give you something that might be a pleasing visual mm. uh, for the city to light up each mm. night. And then um, I remember seeing it from a restaurant, you know, wonderful glass windows, oh, yes. and looking out on the city, and it was a, just a fantastic show. Yeah, look, I've, I've, I thoroughly loved it. Mm. It, it. 18 months of my life, uh, it was... You, you had to uh, talk about the scale. There's no point mm. in doing it if it isn't going to be match a city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then in that audit, I, I rather cheekily decided I would give them a concept design for all these buildings that should have been lit properly, in yeah. my view. And yeah. if you lit it like this, we're using this more modern technology, then we can manipulate it mm. and make you a show. Mm. Um, well, they, they took that on board. <laughs> then they... Uh, then then they came up with, all right, we'll try to find participants. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, there's a, a, used to be, a much greater sense of civic uh, responsibility by yeah. the various owners of buildings. The government mm. buildings were fine, that, that was not an issue. Um, and then you had so various building owners were cajoled or otherwise, well, you've got to invest in lighting for your <laughs> building so that, you know. Yes. And we ended up with 18 buildings for yeah. the initial one. Uh, now, somewhere along the line, though, the, the, the government authorities had, in part of their conversations, in order to ask all these you know, various building owners and so on to contribute what was a lot of money yeah, sure. uh, to each of their buildings, uh, one, uh, that they would all each get one minute of dedicated narrative, because there, there was going to be a voiceover. Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, so that made it 18 minutes long. Well, you know, I'm... I think I can speak with some authority. 18 minutes of lights waving around in the air is mm. pretty ordinary. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just, yeah, 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 what else you got? Um, kind of deal, or yes, we got there and move away. Yeah. So um, we had to address that, uh, and I said, I can't just, you can't have 18 buildings and then it's one, it's yeah. one, it's one, that doesn't work. Yeah. So I had to then form, spend a lot of time talking about uh, how we needed to score, how there had to be, there would be an emotional narrative, mm. and of course each individual building would have its moment of shine. It would yeah. have multiple. Yeah. It would come because they had different types of instruments, so I could use them to respond to different points in the music. Mm. It was a commission score. So, you know, all of that went on, but you just start saying, all right, I've got 18 shapes. Mm. How do they look? What have they got? Uh, you know, I've got vertical, I can do a horizontal from there to there to there if I get them to, you know. Yeah. Um, some of it was permanent installation, some of it was uh, temporary. Mm. The, I mean, weird little things, I, you know, there were banks involved. Uh, well, in order to control the lights on their building from a single point on the other side of the harbour, mm. it seems that's right, uh, we needed access to their uh, internodal grid inside, you know, uh -huh. data grid. Well, banks aren't that thrilling. No. Thrilled about having <laughs> sure outsiders, <laughs> particularly wackos like me, uh, having access to their data <laughs> streams internally. So, you know, there were lots of weird little technical yeah. uh, hitches. Uh, and then running it to a score, because then it's a piece of theatre. Mm. Uh, and then we worked out how you could broadcast it on an FM and, and, mm. and all of those things. And, and when it started, um, it was... Uh, Fabulous! It was novel. Yeah, people it was a uh, thing. All the lights were new and fresh. Um, there was a score that they played music back, mm. and then in the time-honoured tradition, whether it's uh, opera here, and I, I personally know uh, of how much is invested in the maintenance of standards mm. 
uh, in a company like this. Yeah. It, it's with musical standards, uh, technical standards, it's the maintenance of it that's half mm. the, the battle. Yeah. You, know, you can do it once, yeah. you know, do it five times, do it seven, do it, do it 20 times, yeah. whatever. Uh, and there, um, maintenance was, a, well, we've paid for it, it's done. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, but you know, this is... Uh, yeah. And if you go back two years later, they've stopped playing the music. Uh -huh. or they've decided they'd like a different piece of music. And mm -hmm. you say, well, but the, the lighting, the patterns, all the, the things, happen specifically in response to exactly. the music. Exactly, yeah, uh, yeah. So then, that, but trying to explain to them and to those that don't... Uh, and you can't, it's not to blame anybody. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that applies in any field. Yeah. Uh, but trying to explain to them that just because the music runs 18 minutes, that doesn't mean the lighting now looks right. They, <laughs> they'd say, not so good. And you say, well, yes, but lighting hasn't changed. Yeah. No, it hasn't, but the music has. So yeah. it's discordant. Yeah. Uh, and those, those kind of battles, but that also speaks to, uh, if I bring it back to the, the, the theatre world or yeah. any of those things, it's making the lighting uh, sit at, at one mm. with the production. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, on a smaller scale, uh, what people, people aren't supposed to sit there and notice the lighting unless you're absolutely setting out to make them notice mm. it. You know, that's... That's a given, but nevertheless, it's there. Uh, and yeah. It's like bad follow spotting. You can have the best production standards in the world and all the technology in the world, and well, one bad follow spot will ruin a million dollar show. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you introduced uh, the Black Tracks uh, system ah, to, to Opera Australia. Yes. And you were a very brave man, and I applaud you for it. <laughs> but it's, it's a fantastic thing, and I noticed again the other night we're using Black Tracks in Ernani. Yes. And uh, nobody in the public knows. But do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, it's a, it's a uh, I guess a natural evolution that yeah. uh, as people get more expensive uh, and technology becomes more sophisticated and also the, I think the key is that there's a, a level now of if not machine learning a certain an, an AI uh, sophistication that it, technology can learn to do certain things mm. uh, particularly in a repetitive circumstance. Um, Black Tracks is essentially a, a line of sight position indicating technology. Uh, performers or scenery or anything you'll want uh, have little emitters, mm. little infrared emitters on them that emit a, a pulse at a particular frequency. There are a very high resolution cameras rigged around the space. Mm. Um, they take that, any three cameras, it's, it, much like GPS in a way. Yeah, um, the transmitters, we sew them into the costumes. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and you can put them on scenery, yeah. put them on props. Yeah. Um, and and th that information of wh exactly where that transmitter is then goes back through the black track system. And we can allocate, particularly with the, the lighting rig that the opera company has installed in recent years, which is entirely digital mm. and automated, mm. uh, any lantern in that lighting rig can become a follow spot. Mm. Uh, we just have to allocate it. Therefore, uh, you can, a performer can walk in and rather than here's the one follow spot, you know, very subtly... Chasing light around the stage. Yeah. Um, but the, but, but the, the, fundamentally, the light finds them. Yes. Rather than um, them finding right. the light. Um, and, you know, on something like Whiteley, mm. uh, with, with many uh, scene changes arriving in a circular motion, yeah the whole set would come around, but the lighting for it would come with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rather than it arriving into a light. Yeah. You know, so you could grow this coming scene mm. as it arrived mm. uh, and the lights were moving with it. Mm. And it's, uh, like all technology, it, it has its limitations, but yeah. um, it's another tool, which it means that if I wanted to have six follow spot operators uh, on an opera, mm. uh, that's not 
economically defensible yeah. and, and all of that. But I can with this technology because yeah. I can have 20. Yeah. Uh, and so it, you know, I, it lets I, itself. I guess it's something um, uh, that you'd, you'd, you'd consider for the ring, for example. Indeed. Uh, absolutely. So do you want to talk a little bit about that because, you know, we'll have... Speaking 13, of terrifying. <laughs> 13 <laughs> uh, LED panels that are seven metres high and two and a half metres wide. Mm, yes. um, which We've got is more than that. We've got a circular one at the back. That's right. Yes. So fundamentally, it's, uh, well, it's the first digital ring that's ever been done. Yep. Um, and with those panels too, that affects how you light a show, yeah? Yes, because all of those panels um, are light-emitting surfaces. Yeah. Uh, and often we're finding with the, and a very good resolution. Um, Mm. Uh, you know, yeah, fantastic. The, the, the technology is in a wonderful place. Uh, but they're very bright. Mm. Uh, we, depending on what's seen I, uh, on a couple of the earlier productions, we've been running those screens at, you know, down to 4% of their mm. output. Mm. Uh, so the, where the lighting uh, is both challenged and or helped, uh, they're bright enough so that if there's a bit of spill from a light onto a piece of scenery, mm. the, the screen won't show it up because it's, the image on the screen is bright enough so you don't see the light spilling onto the screen itself mm -hmm. as well. Uh, but on the other hand, I have to marry the performers into the world created on those screens. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I don't have control over the content. Mm. Um, I can have influence uh, and I can advise where I think perhaps if you did this, that might make it easier. You know, yeah. uh, but uh, on any, any production, you, you can have differences of view between designers mm. um, and, and, and aesthetic uh, values. Uh, but it, it means that I'm trying to tailor the lighting to make the performers part of the image mm. or stand them off from it, mm -hmm. uh, depending on the, the particular scene. Yeah. Uh, but it, it can be very hard within a scene if it's lit and it looks great and then the screens, the content changes and gets very bright and suddenly the light hasn't actually changed on the performers mm. but that you struggle to see them. Yeah. So you have to allow for that. Mm. Uh, also, colour being relative, uh, the performers will be lit in a certain way which is looking to uh, enhance the costumes, to mm. do various things that we've arrived at uh, through the piece. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the content will change uh, and its whole colour balance and things will be different. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly the performers appear to be in a different colour. Yes. They're not. Nothing has changed from my point of view, yeah. but uh, it's really if your eye perceives them to be mm. different, so you've suddenly got to be dialing that up and down. So yeah. you, you're doing a bit of technical chasing. Mm. Uh, but it, it, look, that, that is going to be on the, uh, the workshops that we've done thus far and the designs and the content. Mm. Uh, and with, with Zixing, uh, it's, it's going to be a tremendously exciting yeah. production. Uh, and he... As wonderfully as have his designers, his regulars, um, and I've got that great privilege of being invited to join a very wonderful, well-honed group of mm, people. Mm. Uh, their embrace of the environment you've asked them mm. to create it in uh, is quite thrilling. That's fantastic. Uh, really looking forward to it. Well, John, look, thanks for coming into OATV today. You've had and are still having an incredible career. And it's a great joy to work with you on every project that we do. So thank you for coming in. Not at all. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to In Conversation with Lyndon Terracini. We hope you've enjoyed the chat and we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. That way, you'll get each new episode as they're released. We also hope to see you in the theatre in the not-too-distant future.
and you can stay up to date with all we've got going on at opera.org.au.